Wow, we're deep into the theme today. This is a deep track. Wow, wow. You're listening to the extended version. The album cut. (laughs) Uh, If any of us have a milkshake on us, we apologize. Uh, because we just uh, were handed milkshakes five minutes before the end of the show by uh, Jeffy's lovely wife. Had an and, early uh, unofficial spoons uh, episode. It kind of just went. Well, down. Wait, how would you rate on a scale of one to eighteen the chocolate shamrock shake to start the show for once with spoons? Mm, Sixteen. Really? Mm-hmm. That was wow. good. That was wow. delicious. Yeah, I mean, when you good. get them, when you're really hungry at the end of the show like that, whatever comes, yeah, gets a pretty high rating. Yeah, yeah. yes, it does. And what? So, what would your rating be? Yes, it did. Pretty high. I mean, I said, but right around the same. <laughs> I hate you. Uh, I gotta go. I like 13. I liked it. I like it. I actually, I don't know if I like the chocolate addition to the shamrock shake. I think I'd rather just have a shamrock shake myself. I think I'd rather just have a ch- chocolate shake. But yeah, me too. I was okay with the combo. I like the <laughs> me mint. Me too. I like the good. mint. Uh, anyway, uh, we spent a lot of time obviously talking about the Sandusky-Penn State thing. We'll do a little bit of that later on. But we want to get <clears> to some <throat> other news that's uh, been going on. Yesterday, this clip uh, oddly is controversial. <clears throat> And I want to show it to you in its entirety. It's Tom Price on the CNN town hall thing trying to justify the, uh, uh, the health care plan, which, by the way, passed committee. Um, you should know that in the House. Um, uh, Mark Sanford voted no. A couple of other mm. good, uh, good people in the House uh, voted no on the Republican side. But it was, I think, 19 to 17 came out of committee, so you'll get a full vote on that, I guess, as is. And maybe I don't know if they'll mm. allow amendments or not on it. Um, but here is Tom Price. Um, and the question was basically... Hey, uh, you know, why are you giving a big tax cut to healthcare CEOs? Not all CEOs, not all rich people, but healthcare CEOs. Why did you target them for a tax cut? Is how the question's framed. First of all, the two things I want you to look for in this number one, it doesn't seem like Tom Price knows what she's talking about. So that's one. Mm. Uh, and, and he's the guy on this bill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then number two, because everyone's calling it Ryan Care, really, Price was, he had a similar bill, which was better initi- uh, w- uh, when he uh, was in the House, and now he's obviously kind of the head cheerleader for this particular bill. Um, and then secondarily, he gives this answer that everyone's like, I can't believe he would say something like that. Watch this and tell me what's wrong with it. In your bill, there's a tax break for health care company executives who make over half a million dollars a year. What? Why do healthcare CEOs need a tax break? Yeah, I don't think it stipulates that it's healthcare executives. I think it's the the, the level of income. If it's te- healthcare executives, then 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 I'll, I'll I'll take a peek. It doesn't make any sense. It, it, it is. I mean, it's it's in there. It talks about. I have well, it right I, I, here. I'll tell you what I think that is. I think that the previous administration singled out healthcare executives. You're now absolutely right. And what they said is healthcare executives ought to be they, punished. They ha- well, not a punish, yeah. a limitation for, for wealthy people. It said Obamacare a had a limitation for certain health insurance providers that exceeded exceeds $500,000 paid to an officer, director, or an employee. That limitation in your bill goes away, and it effectively means a tax cut for these people. You think about what this is, Dana. This is the federal government before saying to a certain sector of society, a certain individual, you can't make what that company is willing to pay you for your services. That doesn't sound like America to me. What we're saying is that we ought not single out certain mm. individuals for in you. this nation and have the federal government right. have the power to be able to say, you're going to be treated differently than that individual, even though you make the same amount of money. If, if, if we want a health system or if we want a, an income system that taxes everybody at, at, at a certain income level the same, that's what I think the American system's all about. 
Well, but uh, the yeah. current tax system doesn't tax everybody to the same rate. Yeah, it does. Tax at, a, at a certain income level. Yes. And the fact of the matter is what the previous administration did was, was to identify, you read it, identified individuals in a certain sector of our society and said, you've got to pay more than the, the, than the guy or the gal down the street who's making exactly the same amount of money as you. That seems very dangerous to me. Excellent. Yes. How about that? Good. That's a, that's a very good defense of that. And, and it's bizarre. Yeah. First of all, you love how the media, and that's Dana Bash from uh, CNN, who points out, who calls, so, so put it in perspective. Obama mm. puts something in Obamacare that says people who earn over $500,000 who are executives at healthcare companies, just just this one industry, uh, have to pay more. Have to pay more in taxes. Yeah, so you should be asking yourself, Dana or Dana or Dimwit or whatever your stupid name is, <laughs> why did they have to pay more right. in the first place? Not, not why are you why do they deserve a tax cut? Why did they in, in, uh, deserve a tax increase? Mm-hmm. To begin with. Right. And why do they deserve a tax cut? Why? Do, I mean, <laughs> that is incredible. It's not a tax cut. They got their taxes hiked uh, unfairly under this bill. Wow. Um, and, you know, that's weird. I didn't know that had happened. I didn't. You, you know, I never of heard all that. the things we talked about over Obamacare. Jeez. I didn't remember it. Tom Price didn't they even remember it initially. Specific tax increase for for CEOs at healthcare companies. I think that is completely unconstitutional. Uh, it, you it has cannot, to be. That has to be. But, I mean, I don't know if that was ever challenged, that specific provision, because, you know, can you imagine? most people would look at that and say, well, she's right. They make $500,000 a year. Who cares about what they pay in taxes? That's how most people react to those things. But, again, Jeez. fairness even applies to people who are successful. Right. People who have lots of money get to be treated fairly and equally under the law, just like minorities, just like the average middle class person. the fact is, to begin with, they're not being treated equally because they already pay a higher percentage. They already pay a much higher percentage than than other people do. And then you're going to make them pay an even higher percentage on top of that. I'm I'm pretty much with you on that point. However, they would say every person who earns uh, in the top bracket gets the top bracket tax equally. Every single person, no matter what. Unless you're in the healthcare executive branch of our world, yeah. you, because you rose to a high level in a, in a in an uh, in an insurance company, wow, that is you weird. have a different tax rate. That makes no sense. And of course, it's right to get rid of that. That's supposed to be controversial to the left. <laughs> I mean, I wow, that is asinine. Of course, wow. why? So I want to make sure I understand. You have a person who's in health insurance. They rise to a high level of income. Then you say they have to pay more taxes. So. For them to get the same fair treatment as every other industry on the planet, they have to leave. The good, qualified person has to leave the health insurance industry and go to another industry to reap the benefits of the same tax rate as all other citizens. I mean, come on. That's asinine in Uh, every way possible. uh, It's way beyond asinine. Yeah, it really is. Uh, And we will have uh, – we're going to talk a little bit more about healthcare with Adam Brandon coming up uh, in a little bit from FreedomWorks. Uh, He kind of give us the – the download on where this is going and uh, whether this has any chance. I mean, because it seems like uh, Ted Cruz is, is up against it. Mike Lee is up against it. Rand Paul is saying no. Uh, unless something dramatically changes here and the Senate can pass a much better bill than the House, it does not seem like this is going to actually get done. And you will I, I, don't be shocked at all to see the Republicans not repeal Obamacare and it just exists in the future. Mm-hmm. Don't be again. I'm not saying this is the right solution because I don't think it is. Uh, but they will use this. The moderate people, the Susan Collins of the world, who don't want Obamacare to really go away anyway, yet they want to feign that they're still Republicans, will sit here and say, well, look, they tried. Uh, and, you know, the American people didn't want it. Uh, they, you know, and we could not find the solution. So we're going to have to stick with this. And, you know, it's not so bad. 
Even though they ran mm. on it this entire time, we repeal, repeal, they repeal. Don't they don't they care. Don't care. Uh, Plus, if Obamacare was so great to begin with, as the left is saying it is, and you can't possibly take it away, then why did life expectancy drop last year? Wasn't it, you know, the, one First of the things with America's health care, uh, one of the stats they always point to, because our, showing that our health care isn't as good as other countries is, our life expectancy is a little bit lower than some other countries. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole bunch of factors that have to do with that, none of which involve the healthcare industry, because we have the best healthcare industry in the world. Um, but apparently, it went down ever so slightly uh, last year. For the first time in a long time, which is yeah. why it's a big deal. I think it was decades uh, since this had happened. Um, now, this kind of stems from a, a tweet by Luke Russert, uh, who sadly is no Tim, um, saying, uh, simply, t- simple, true analysis. Under Trump-Ryan care, many people will literally die from lack of access to health care. That is indisputable. Hashtag just say it. Now, uh, as, uh, I don't know, uh, Derek Hunter. Uh, do we have the Derek <clears throat> Hunter response tweet, which is a, which is a good point. Uh, he says, uh, li- uh, life expectancy dropped last year for the first time in decades with Obamacare. Your analysis is simple, but it's not true. Uh, that's <laughs> which, is great. A, which is a great point. Um, so let's go through some of these numbers here. Um, the, the life expectancy did fall from 78.9 to 78.8. Now, again, you might say that's not much of a, uh, of a, of a decline, and it's not. The point is that these, these are increasing all the time. It's been a long time since they decreased. Um, it is the first time there had been a, a decrease in life expectancy <laughs> since 1993. Uh, to give you perspective on that, I was in high school when that happened. High school. Here's uh, 1999 was the first time. Or Me the, too. I was in high school, too. I was a freshman. You're freshman in high school. Because I was, I was a junior. You were yeah, so it's weird. I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah. Jeffy, what, where were you in 1993? Do you remember what uh, penitent, uh, what, where you were? Absolutely. Uh, 93? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't no. want to talk about it. Drug Haze. He doesn't have any idea where he was in 93. <laughs> Drug Haze. Yeah. It does appear, by the way, that someone started a Twitter hashtag, something like Jeffy's Rap Sheet. And is now tweeting the crimes <laughs> of Jeffy. Really? Uh, so, yeah. So they we'll see not, that. Huh? They all better be true. I think they should <laughs> be. That. If there's any falsehoods on it, I'm going to town. I will say I think they should CC local police departments. If, uh, if, uh, I disagree gonna, with uh, that 100%. <laughs> um, 78.8 in 2005. Uh, additionally, the death rate increased 1.2%, the first time that had happened since 1999. Um, the Post, this is from the Daily Wire who's reporting this, the Post quoted the University of Michigan's David Weir saying that virtually every cause of death increased last year. Um, this is across the board phenomenon of not doing very well in the United States. Uh, the, um, uh, there's another good stand here. Well, I mean, you get the point. The point is uh, that you can say that there might be bad consequences to this, um, and that's fine. Um, however, mm-hmm. It's a little odd to claim that it's going to make people die when, you know, Obamacare was in place and the life expectancy in the United States dropped. Mm-hmm. Now, you'd think it would be increasing not by just a little, but by a lot. Instead, it actually went down. And uh, so if you were to get rid of Obamacare and it goes back up, surely they'll still say it. They'll find the person mm-hmm. who didn't have access. And look, every system that, you know, because we're uh, hosts of shows and not politicians, we can tell you this. Every system. Everyone that's proposed from some Bernie Sanders all the way down to uh, Rand Paul, every system in there is going to have some people who don't do well on it. 
Somebody is going to have a story where they got victimized by uh, a loophole here or there uh, that they could not pay for something they needed to pay for. That is part of everything. We live in a freaking society of 325 million people. There are going to be examples of people having troubles here. Um, It's going to happen with whatever the Republicans are to pass. It is definitely happening right now with Obamacare. You could do the, well, this person gets screwed by Obamacare game every night on every broadcast over and over and over and over and over again. You could start by interviewing every employee of this company. (laughs) That's where you can start. You can mm-hmm. start there. That'll give you the first uh, 250 nights of coverage, and then you can go from there. <laughs> because it has affected everybody in some way. Um, and uh, overall, as we've seen with polling, most of all, ne- most, mostly negatively. Mostly negatively. Now, there have been some people who didn't have access. However, the, the people that they talk about in the CBO report, and we kind of pointed this out yesterday, are people who didn't want to buy health care and were forced into buying health care against their will because the government made them do it. If they have the opportunity to not buy health care, they won't. That is a freedom issue. It's their money. They earned it. They should be able to spend it the way they want to. Instead, the government steps in and says, you know what? You need to buy this, this product with your money. That is not freedom. That's not what it's supposed to be. Um, so it's important to note that. And uh, we'll have more on health care here coming up in just a second. Uh, first of all, I want to tell you about my Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply... Uh, they want you to take a step towards self-reliance. And that's what we're talking about here. Self-reliance. You know, your health care decisions should be up to you. Uh, what you do with your money should be up to you. And taking care of your family in emergency should not be up to the government. It shouldn't be FEMA coming to the rescue. You should do what you need to do to prepare mm-hmm. your family. And you can do that with My Patriot Supply. And you know what else is great? Uh, it also tastes really good. Uh, that's <laughs> a really cool part of this. <laughs> yeah, it is. You don't have to worry about just a big bucket of beans or rice or whatever. This is delicious food. You get things like pancakes for breakfast. You get emergency pizza. I mean, good stuff. Delicious soups and stews and all of those kinds of things that last up to 25 years for you. And right now, you can get four weeks of that food for $99. And they throw in the the free shipping. This is a big-time cliche, but you're in the middle of uh, the apocalypse. Uh, Everything's going wrong. Food supply is broken down. Uh, You know, the tragedy in the streets, uh, nuclear holocaust everywhere. The only solution to that is fettuccine Alfredo. Yes. I know everyone says that, but it's true, and that's why fettuccine Alfredo was part of this package, or at least the one I saw. So anyway, uh, go to... (laughs) Such a stupid show. <laughs> so stupid. 888-411-5290 or preparewiththeblaze.com. 888-411-5290 or preparewiththeblaze.com. Welcome back. Triple Eight Seven Twenty Seven. Back is the uh, phone number. Uh, joining us now uh, is Adam Brandon of Freedom Works. Uh, Adam, uh, look, Freedom Works. We've sold you on him for a long time, but I mean, I don't know if there's a better way to sell you on it as to what ha- is going on right now with the repeal of Obamacare. I mean, you know, right. you need people focusing on getting a bill that is a hell of a lot better than the one we have right now. Adam joins us, uh, and Adam, where do we go from here? Where does this stand, and what can we do about it? 
Well, first of all, I just want to say I'm a little nervous being on Skype because although I don't have children here at FreedomWorks, I wouldn't expect a couple a couple staffers may crawl in in the background. So I apologize. We'll but, look for uh, them. If they come in, just put them on your lap and move. Keep going with the interview, please. <laughs> Perfect. So yesterday we had a day of action here uh, where we brought in, uh, and it was a, what was amazing to me. It was, it was a weekday, and it was 13 degrees here in D.C. with wind chill. And we still had over a thousand activists show up, and we stormed the hill. Uh, we lost the overwhelming majority of our buses, but we still had a great crowd, and we delivered the message to Congress that hey, you were elected to repeal Obamacare. So uh, yeah, there, there's a. We, I like our storm Congress hats that we had, <laughs> had for this event. And, uh, it's, but it's, the, I want to just drive it home that the activist community wants to repeal Obamacare. They're not interested in games of we're going to kind of do it and then we'll do it. We promise the next bill. And we're, no, they want to repeal it. They looked at all the work that they've done over the last several years. So let's get rid of this bill. This is one of the big problems, Adam, I feel like with entitlement programs in general is that now anything that is changed from what we've had for the last couple of years with Obamacare is treated as this violation of human rights. When just a few years ago, none of these programs, none of these big giveaways even existed. Now we go to these, this place where people uh, are treating a slight cut in subsidies, which this bill sort of does, and uh, you know, certain changes around the edges, and, and treating them as if, if it's, a, it's the biggest deal of all time. When this is, a de- this is a bill that if Barack Obama pitched to us in 2009, we would have gone crazy over the current GOP health bill. I mean, this is uh, this is really a case of the Overton window, is it not? It's it really is, and that's where I mean, I feel very lucky that we have people like Rand Paul and Mike Lee and Ted Cruz that were on our stage yesterday uh, because they are they're keeping the promises that they made. Uh, When Mitch McConnell ran for the Senate, he ran in 2014. His whole theme was, we're going to tear up Obamacare, root and branch, root and branch, root and branch. Mm. Well, um, that's what the activists expect to hear, is they want to see that, that, that the politicians are going to keep their promises. And this is a slam dunk easy one to keep. You had this 2015 Obamacare bill that was, I think, only five members of the House and Senate opposed, only five uh, Republicans. And it went to Obama's desk, and he vetoed it. Just it's real simple. Go dust that bill off. Put mm-hmm. a new date on it. Move it through the House. Move well, it through the Senate. Send it back to the president this time you sign it. What does this say, though, about Republicans that when they knew it wouldn't go through with Barack Obama as president, they knew he would veto it, they, they passed it. And now That's many of I, the same people are here saying, well, we're not going to use that one as a basis. That's crazy. That's why I would love to dust it off, because you have... You know, truth and light on your side. You get to walk into a senator's office who's saying, well, I signed it in 2015. Not so sure I want to do it today. And just ask him what changed. Yeah. Oh, just president changed. That's the only issue. Now you can actually get it done. Right. You had a good uh, change here. I mean, that, and that's that should motivate people to want to do it. There is the case, though, a lot of people will bring up and say you need to get 60 votes for that. That bill. You can't do it with reconciliation. Is that a real uh, is that a real objection? Yes and no. Uh, I seem to find that, that whenever some, they want to really get something done, they find a way to get it done through reconciliation. Ted Cruz, uh, one of the things I know he is working on right now is Mike, or, uh, technically Mike Pence, Vice President Pence, is one of the most powerful officers in the entire Senate. And, and when you go back to the American people and say, we have the House of Representatives, 
we have the Senate, we have the White House, but we don't have the Senate parliamentarian. That's just not a good excuse. So I know Ted Cruz is looking at ways to get things done because the Senate parliamentarian works for the majority. So, Adam, so, what can people do? You know, those who aren't in D.C. that can't show up and, and can't participate in rallies and, and yep. you know, helping with the footwork, what, what do they do? If they're at home listening to this and they really want Republicans to get off their butts and do something real... How do they get the? How do they get their representative to do that? Just the phone call? Is that the normal thing? The phone call. There's a couple of things. Every single one of these representatives has a district office, and if you're mm-hmm. close by to that district office, next time you're running to Taco Bell, swing by that district office during the day, knock on the door, go in, introduce yourself as a person who lives in that district, and say, "Hey, I've I supported full repeal of Obamacare. Where do you stand on it? Are you going to keep your campaign promises?" And, and drive it, drive that message home. And if you can't make it to the office, just call them. And if you need some help finding the office, uh, go to our website, freedomworks.org, and we'll help connect you to that office. We'll, we'll, we'll help you. We're going to make it as easy as possible. But when they hear from people, the one group of people that, that congressmen are the most scared of is not lobbyists, it's not presidents, it's their voters. Uh, and so when their voters reach out to them, it has a massive impact. Talking to Adam Brandon from uh, FreedomWorks. Adam, you know, I, right now, the way I feel about this, the way this process is going, and I, <laughs> this is an emotional feeling, um, is that nothing's going to happen. This, this bill's going to go down. They're not going to get uh, another better bill through. And we are going to go through this all Republican control period uh, with Obamacare intact. Uh, maybe they will fiddle around the edges. Maybe they'll get something done. But generally speaking, it's going to be intact. The argument from well, I, many from many establishment people would be like, look, this is your time. Paul Ryan's saying it. This is it. Do this or you're going to be stuck with Obamacare forever. Is there anything to that argument? No, there's nothing to that argument. When you, I keep using a baseball analogy. You have the House. You have the Senate. You have the White House. That's bases loaded. You have one mm-hmm. out. The one out that you have is that you don't have an, a 60-vote majority. That's not an excuse to not get anything done. They're out of excuses. So the yeah. way... So if you run out of this, let's say this bill fault collapses, which I'm hearing estimates of up to 50, 60 members of the House are not going to go on with it, which means it's dead, then bring back the bill from 2015. It's already written. The Senate parliamentarian has already ruled that the bill is legit. So all you do is dust off the names. You know, you, you, I think uh, Jordan's dropping it in the House. Uh, I think Rand has dropped it in the Senate, or someone will drop it in the Senate very easily. And then you just send it to the president. I mean, if that's the one use of reconciliation, let's make sure we hobble Obamacare once and for all. One of my biggest concerns about the current bill, and there is some good things in the current bill, but mm-hmm. it leaves the regulatory framework intact. And so even if, if we trust Secretary Price to do away with a lot of things, the next president, I'm not so sure about. And if they have the regulatory state and, and the, the infrastructure there, they could put Obamacare back with the stroke of a pen. Yeah, That's and, why we need to take it out now. And the longer they delay doing that, the more the tentacles of this bill dig their roots into uh, the earth and, and the tougher it's going to be. We'll never get rid of this. I, mean, I think, I really feel like this is maybe our last shot to really get oh, rid of this thing. It's, it, Let's I go mean, back to... Go ahead. Yeah, go back to Clinton Care. When Clinton Care was defeated in the 1990s, Republicans didn't advance a patient-centered alternative. And so what they did is they passed S-CHIP. They passed Medicare Part D. They grew yeah. 
parts of what were essentially Clinton care. And that laid the groundwork. So Republicans' dirty fingerprints are all over the, laying the groundwork for Obamacare. And I thought when, when, when Senator Cruz went to the floor and, and tried to stop you know, that filibuster a, a couple of years ago, I thought that was our last shot. And we've been given this like, like miracle to have one more chance at it. And uh, you got to do it right. You got to take care of it right now because the next stop on this train is Bernie Sanders' care. And, if you're in, in a, and what I worry is it's not about slowing down the day for Bernie Sanders' care. Let's blow up the framework so that we can actually start moving to patient-centered healthcare. Um, Adam, before you go, I know um, yeah. well, everyone's focused on uh, healthcare, which is understandable. Um, but the other one, the other piece of this that was supposed to happen was tax reform. We were supposed to get uh, tax cuts. Uh, do we have any idea how that is advancing? And do you have any idea what that plan looks like? Sure. It, I here's and yes, and this is the strangest part. I have been part of some conversations. And I know members of the Freedom Caucus have been part of some conversations on the fundamental tax reform. That the strange thing about Obamacare or Orion Care was it was just kind of thrown at us. And uh, it, there was not a lot of conversation. But on the tax bill, there's parts I'm absolutely in love with. Uh, the, what, what it does to personal taxes, what it's doing to getting rid of the alternative minimum tax, getting rid of the death tax. Uh, there's literally going to be a postcard about this big that you'll be able to 14 lines on it that you'll be able to fill out your taxes. Wow. So I'm all in for that. Um, then you have this border adjustability tax that as that that's I'm just kind of scratching my head at. I'm not. I, I, I mean, that's just a tariff, isn't it? Tax is. It's just yeah, a tariff, it, it, right? It's, it's just it's, a way like of a, him hiding a tariff in there. Correct. So. Yeah, you know, the, the problem that we're going to face is we've got the, the world's best bill with this thing that I still don't really understand why it's even there. Uh, but that's part of the negotiating process. I hope to, we can either just drop it or, and then move forward with the rest of the package or we find something else to do with it. But I'm so excited about half of the bill. Um, the fact that we're going to be potentially get a postcard to do our taxes and it's absolutely huge. gut the IRS is huge. So, I'm optimistic, but we've got to get through Obamacare, and it's got to be done right. And so you do that. And actually, the other part I was having a conversation on earlier to, this morning was there's a lot of interest to do welfare reform. And, and one number I'll point out and, and I'm, and it is that when Obama came to office, there was roughly, I think it was about $25 billion a year spent on, on food stamps. And that number is roughly $75 billion now. Mm. So in eight years, you added $50 billion in food stamps. Uh, there are some entitlement and welfare reform projects that I'd love to sink our teeth into later in the year. So I'm optimistic, but it's still it's going to be a nasty fight getting through this Obamacare mess. And Adam, tell me if I'm wrong. The border adjustability tax is in there so that Donald Trump can say Mexico is building the wall. That is why it's in there. That is why I he's putting it in there. I swear that's the reason. Tell me I'm wrong. I still don't understand what it is, and I've tried, and I've studied economics for 10 years, and, I've, and it was like six months ago I first heard of it, and it was only about three months ago I thought this is something real, and I'm still picking it. I'm trying to be objective, but uh, it's a hard, that's a hard sell for me, but the other parts are fantastic, so uh, it's a real easy deal for me. Just take out the part I don't like, leave the parts I like, and let's go for it. <laughs> that seems so easy. Why don't we do that all the time? That's a great idea. <laughs> Adam Brandon from uh, FreedomWorks, uh, FreedomWorks.org is the website, of course. And uh, Adam, thanks for uh, doing all the work that you do and coming on the program. Great. Hope to see you guys soon. Thanks. There's a report from the Environmental Working Group. Uh, and you know how much we love the Environmental Working Group. It's my I, third favorite working group. 
What would be like your top two then? Uh, number two is Hamster, the, the Hamster, hamster working, working Group. group. Uh, yep, uh, that, that on the that's the one on the wheels. And at number one, uh, number one, uh, French fries. The French, the it, French fries. Uh, that's not a working, working group. group. I just like French fries. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, well, this working group has warned that 218 million Americans are exposed to potentially dangerous tap water. Which, mm. I, I, even if it's not dangerous. I don't drink it anymore. I just yeah. can't. I, I just can't do it. They keep talking about dangerous uh, tap water in these uh, commercials, but really um, icky. Yeah. Is, is icky, icky a concern water. for anyone else? I mean, there are real concerns, like in Flint, Michigan, for example, where mm-hmm. uh, you know that's a major, a major problem. Uh, government gets involved, uh, even in something you think as simple as water, mm-hmm. uh, they can screw that up. Uh, so why not take it into your own hands and uh, use the Alexa Pure Pro? Uh, it's really, really important. And this, the Alexa Pure Pro removes almost 100% of contaminants from your drinking water. It just makes it really clean, really fresh. Like if, you, if you're into bottled water, you'll really be into this because it'll save you so much money over buying bottled water continually. Good, exa- uh, good argument, by the way, to take your bottled water and put it through the Alexa Pure Pro. Yeah, really. Uh, because it's going to actually make it better. We're talking taking out bacteria, lead, pesticides, uh, pharmaceuticals, chromium-6, arsenic, anything that's in there mm-hmm. uh, is going to be taken out by the Alexa Pure Pro. And each uh, filter has a capacity of up to 5,000 gallons. So you're going to save a ton of money over bottled water. So call them today, 888. 888- 895-7746 or go online at getalexapure.com getalexapure.com you'll save 20 bucks off the retail price it's such a great deal 888-895-7746 or getalexapure.com Well, welcome back. Uh, we talked a little about Trump's taxes yesterday, and uh, this is kind of an interesting thing because none of us are tax experts. Um, with the exception of Jeffy, uh, we have people doing our taxes. Jeffy uh, does not turn them. Oh, uh, okay. Jeffy uh, has another situation he's arranged with the government. Is that better? Um, so, uh, but I mean, I, I don't know anything. I will say this. I, uh, Pam, uh, my uh, wonderful uh, accountant, uh, she sends me emails and says, send me this, 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 and this. I send them to her, and then she sends me the end, the end product. Mm-hmm. I, I have literally no idea what happens with them. I, I don't know. I, I just She sends me a number to put on a check, and that's what I write. Or she sends me a number I'm going to get on a check. That's basically my involvement in the process. I have no freaking idea. So we told you about the taxes yesterday, and... You know, first of all, the Trump taxes, you're only getting the, the very basic first couple of pages of a tax return. With someone like Trump, it does not tell much of the story. It's a very small chunk of the story, but it's still news because you get to hear a little bit about it. And I think it's, it's interesting that he paid $38 million in taxes, and uh, we, we didn't really go too much into depth on it. Um, we kind of talked about how it looks like he's actually making a lot of money, $150 million. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Business Insider, however, do, do have, they have, do have some tax experts there. Um, and uh, they go into, uh, uh, into this a little bit more, and I was kind of interested in what they said. Um, now, for, for a long time, we've suspected that Donald Trump is nowhere near uh, the, the wealth that he claims to have. He claims to have a wealth of about $10 billion. I don't even think he's a billionaire, frankly. I, I've I've never you've, believed yeah, you've that. All, you, th- and this is kind of like your this is like your John Ziegler Penn State story. Yes. Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> like, he is. It I don't even think is. he's a billionaire. Right. I mean, he might be a billionaire with all of his maybe, assets. But maybe. I mean, and that's knows? the thing. What when they say that 
uh, yes, Trump paid taxes in 2005, but they don't look much like a billionaire's taxes. Yeah, that's the headline of the story. And so at $150 million, though, a year, that's a pretty good income. You should probably be a billionaire. You know, because then you're, that doesn't take into account Trump Tower, Trump Plaza, all the myriad of Trump holdings that he has here throughout the country and then all over the world. So, you know, that's got to add up, yeah, right? Uh, that's got to add up. Okay, so this is what they say. Um, in 2005, uh, Forbes put Trump's net worth at $2.6 billion, is what they believe it was. Trump was trying to convince people it was a lot more. That year, uh, Tim O'Brien, a journalist, reported that Trump's wealth was probably less than $250 million. That wow. claim got O'Brien sued by Trump, and the suit was dismissed. Uh, and O'Brien, then a reporter of the New York Times and now uh, at Bloomberg News, spent the past year beating Trump up over his, the claims of his fabulous wealth. The tax return doesn't entirely settle, entirely settle the matter because we only got to see two pages of the document, but we did learn some things about where Trump's earnings came from that year. The return shows he earned about $110 million from his investments. That included a one-time $32 million gain that came from selling assets. So, I mean, wow. is that income? I mean, technically no. for taxes it is, but that's not... Yeah, but it, it's really not. Right. It's, I mean, it's that's not, not something you that... rely on right. year after year. No. It's a one-time thing. The wow. rest came from income earned from rental, real estate, and ownership of businesses, and in the form of interest. The second chunk, $78 million, basically suggests where he, where he's earning, um, what he's earning from his assets. Uh, $2.6 billion it is a return of just 3%. That's not great, but it's all Trump earned that year. Trump disclosed another $42 million of business income, but we don't know what this is um, uh, or where it was. Uh, you know, they think this is the apprentice money plus his other business interests that are more public-facing. Right? Um, now, anyone could have a lousy year as an investor, but remember we're talking about 2005. Pre-financial crisis, real estate bubble was still inflating. Stocks were rising. Interest rates were high. You could, you could from just treasury bonds, the safest investment out there, as, as investors uh, discussed, you could make $40 million just by parking $1 billion in the safest investment out there. Then there's the matter of the $103 million loss. When it came to paying taxes, all that income was whittled down into this one loss, leaving him with a just gross income of $48.5 million. Where the loss comes from isn't clear, but some tax experts told CBS News it, would, it could be still lingering from the huge write-down Trump took in a 1995 tax filing, that was released by the New York Times. If you kind of remember, uh, that was a big story during the campaign. About $32 million that it was one-time assets taxed at a lower rate leaves another $16 million to be taxed at regular rates. So that means with all the losses folded in, Trump is claiming he earned $16 million in 2005. 16, I mean, okay, $16 million is a lot of money to you and me. Mm-hmm. It is not a lot of money to... Donald Trump, a guy who claims to be um, a billionaire ten times over. Yeah. So sixteen. I mean, NFL football players make sixteen million dollars. They're not. They're not billionaires. Uh, the head of the NFL, Roger Goodell, makes forty-five or forty-eight million dollars a year. Yeah, two or three times what Trump is has made in now, 16 million now the reason he paid still 38 million dollars wow. in taxes is wow. because of the alternative minimum tax which by the way would go away hopefully with this new tax plan because it is a terrible idea Jeez, but still really uh, uh so the suspicion here is not that he doesn't have money he obviously does uh but that he is uh maybe not the billionaire uh this does not necessarily support not his billion. idea that he's a it's major not billionaire, billionaire money no. it's not odd that's just not odd. that is interesting mm. That's a fascinating look, uh, and that's 
I maintain that's why he won't release yes, the taxes. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. He does not want us to know that he's not making anything like billionaire money. And if, and if this is, if our theory holds true that he was the one that leaked this because it shows the best one he has. Yeah. Yeah. Then he's not even close. No, he's not. Yeah, I mean, and no. that's just a theory. We have no I idea know, on I that. Know. But uh, that's, that would be an interesting part of it. Um, Very interesting. And it supports the reason why he would uh, be bribed into naming Rex Tillerson uh, Secretary of State because he got $1.6 billion from Exxon. That's, that would support that. Is that um, the big claim now? Mm-hmm. That is the claim. In fact, it was a claim uh, shopped to all sorts of journalists. The only problem was not true at all. An amazing story from BuzzFeed. And by the way, people would beat up BuzzFeed, and they've had some issues, and we've criticized them occasionally, although they've done a lot of good things as well. Um, and note that BuzzFeed is going out of their way here to defend Donald Trump, something that you know they're not going to get credit for from the same people who were calling them all fake news a few weeks ago. But note the fact that they did a lot of journalism on this. In fact, the story was uh, this person um, created what turned out to be fake documents. The documents showed a $1.6 billion transfer from Exxon to a Chinese company. And then two days later, a $1.4 billion, or $1.575 billion transfer from that same company to the Trump organization. And the th- obvious theory there is Exxon was paying Trump, and then Trump named Tillerson uh, to be his secretary of state after he won. Mm-hmm. Um, the and it was uh, you know chase documents uh, they they looked official. Now uh, BuzzFeed got the documents um, because a Democratic operative and, and this is a great part of the story that will make your heart warm paid nine thousand dollars to some informant to get the documents that are obviously fake now. Um, and they, although they thought about it for a while because they it did look somewhat realistic, but they there are things like um, when you transfer large you know sums of money like that there's a flat fee for a transfer fee and the the transfer fee this is for chase bank the transfer fee in the chase documents however was like had like 97 cents at the end of it and chase never does that like it's a policy of their corporation they did things like that that he obviously didn't realize they showed them to chase and chase was like no this this couldn't happen the other part is they acted as if someone just walked in off the street and was like i'd like to transfer 1.6 billion dollars please like, that doesn't happen. Like, <laughs> when you transfer $1.6 billion, if you ever transfer $1.6 billion, you're not doing it by some guy just walking in off the street, right? Like, you're going to go through, there's going to be some significant uh, issues there. It went down to, there were some misspellings. Uh, there were people working for certain corporations that didn't actually work there. All the, they, I mean, there are pages and pages and pages of them proving this case. Uh, but the bottom line is, uh, they were not real. And Democrats who are trying to take Trump down um, got duped by this out of uh, multiple thousands of dollars, <laughs> which that makes you a little, it makes you feel like maybe the world is okay. Yeah, it does. You know? Yeah, it's anyway. a heartwarming tale. <laughs> it is. 888727 back. More patents too coming up in a minute. found it felt like sharing with us so we don't have to talk anymore hey how you doing good to see you 
Thanks for coming to good start uh, to the segment, Pat Stu's show. I'm sorry. Good start to the segment. So you're off to a roaring start as usual. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Continue. If you I'll would. let the audience know that you were concerned about the chocolate uh, <clears throat> shake that we had at the end of the radio program. And we're finishing mm-hmm. up here at the beginning of the Pat and Stu show. Mm-hmm. Um, we did find out exactly what the milk solids non-fat is. Yes, it's oh. non-fat milk solids. But nice try. I, we did find out the solid milk, milk fat non. Solids we non-fat did find out what, what non-fat solid milk. Mi- in the, uh, uh, uh. I'm sorry, the dairy.org uh, website calls it uh, milk solids non-fat. Milk but, hey, whatever. solids. That's because you know, they're, they're listing it alphabetically, stupid. Whatever. That's what you That's do. What it's called. Like you'd be listed as Fisher Jeffy. It's so it's non-fat milk solids. Go ahead. So milk solids non-fat. <laughs> I love the show. Go ahead, Jeffy. Sorry. <laughs> Oh. Protein, lactose, ash, hmm. ash, mm-hmm. and uh, there you have it. It's beautiful. So skim milk has uh, mostly water. Mm-hmm. Non-fat dry milk, instant, has just a little bit of water, obviously, because it's the dry. You'll mix it later. Mm-hmm. And the light cream, light cream has very little ash in it. I'm surprised that the non-fat <laughs> dry milk. But I love this. Has no so, ash. so let's let's follow this train a little bit here. You hear non-fat milk solids, and was like, what the hell are those? <laughs> then we get a very logical explanation of that, which is essentially it's powdered skim milk. Yeah. That's essentially what it is. Yeah. Then it's like, but ash is in it. What the hell is that? I was wondering we're what that is. We're just back on the but exact same train the, as you just were on. But ash actually is uh, minerals in the dairy product. So and now we know they that. They call it ash, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, it's minerals, it's uh, protein, it's lactose, it's all that crap that uh, milk is made out of. All right. Correct. Just wanted okay. you to let you and, be and, and, and so if it's any, fine. If we're going to get someone to talk on the air about milk. I mean, really. It's going to be Jeffy. I'm surprised. I wish my I'm kind of mad at my wife, actually. She should have brought me a ice cold glass of milk. To, to drink with, with a milkshake? Shake. Well, I guess it's just a shake, right? Not a milkshake. Correct. Even though the first ingredient in them is, is milk. Whole milk. milk. <laughs> whole milk. Milk. Uh, all right, what else do you All right, Texas, have? State Bill 6, or Senate Bill 6, not State Bill 6, mm-hmm. Senate Bill 6, the bathroom bill. Uh-oh. Uh, you know, the Senate passed it. Uh, it still has some uh, steps to go through. Uh, and I want you to read the one section. I'll read the one section that's horrific. I don't know if we, I don't know if I, I want to put you through this or not, but single sex, multiple occupancy bathroom or changing facility. A political subdivision or state agency with control over multiple occupancy bathrooms or changing facilities in a building owned or leased by this state or the political subdivision is applicable. Shall develop a policy requiring an... Okay, good. You're both sitting down. Uh, Each multiple occupancy bathroom or changing facility located in that building to be designated for and used by persons of the same biological sex. So it's not gender. It's not even about gender. Because remember, sex Horrible. and gender are different. This is horrific. Uh, so that's and they're, they're already, I mean, the fighting on it is unbelievable. The NFL, uh, the NCAA, sports athletes. I mean, I love the uh, uh, Martina Navratilova and her uh, special letter to the state and her statement. Uh, research suggests that over half of transgender youth have been forced to use a locker room or bathroom that conflicts with their gender identity. So? Well, they just said it wasn't about gender. They said it was about biological sex. They said they've decided they're going to split their bathrooms in their state 
uh, right. under, by their prerogative. You know what they said? By biological sex they said, instead we're of going by science, not feelings. Yeah. yeah. Okay? We're going to go by science. Not an, it's not an identity. There's it's not a door there because physics. of identities. Yeah. There's a door there because of dingalingans and hoo that's, that's what it that's is. That's why the door's there. <laughs> we don't care how you feel. I right. mean, you might not feel good at all. Uh, do we need uh, do we need to go over that with everybody who goes to a restroom? And I hope no. And, you know, Governor Abbott has said he'd no. sign it, so let it run through Good. all its hoops. And once it gets to him, he'll sign it. Good. And the threats from the uh, athletic groups. Oh, I know. And the, the NFL, everybody else. Groups, mm-hmm. You know what? I want Greg Abbott. To roll his wheelchair up to the table and tell them all to get bent. You stick it up your rectal cavity. That's what he Every needs to tell them. Every one of them. I want yeah. him just to roll up, put his hands up on the table and say, you know what? All of you. Have a nice day. You know, I mean, like unbelievable. Like, we need the NFL to bring the Super Bowl to Texas. Who cares? Don't come back. I don't care. Yeah, so it's what? It's nice to be able to drive to it, though. It's to fly. Save, I think we'll survive. Oh, you're not going to boycott? We'll survive. Uh, no. No, I don't care. What? I, they can open up. <laughs> they can make one bathroom for everybody, and I'm going to be fine with it. <laughs> It's the National Football League. Up that Goodell salary. Welcome back. 888-727-BECK is our number. John Ziegler uh, joins us once again. Uh, John was with us on the radio. If you, if you missed that, you missed a lot because uh, <laughs> yeah. we're going into the uh, Jerry Sandusky Penn State uh, scandal. Um, and, uh, and I know you would put that scandal in, in quotes uh, <laughs> for sure. Um, and uh, we went through a lot of it today. And I figured we'd try to see, see if we can kind of come back here and spend a little bit more time mopping up whatever we missed. Is there anything that we didn't do on radio that you think is important for the audience to understand about this story? Well, first of all, it was awesome to actually get a fair hearing for the first time in five and a half years of covering this thing. I mean, in all seriousness, I have dealt with so many media morons uh, in the last five years plus that uh, I, I have like P, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, and uh, dealing with you guys was, was quite a, a pleasure because... One, you, you were open-minded, and two, you asked good mm-hmm. questions, and, and three, you have a brain to actually uh, bit. work with. Tiny ones, Which, but yeah. which makes you very different than the, the, most of the members of the mainstream news media who have an uh, incredible agenda in this case. So to answer your question more directly, this case is so involved. It's not that complex once you understand the basics. But um, I, I think we hit the general points, but there are so many other details that back up my view of this thing and my basic view of it for people who don't recall or missed the radio interview is that this was all a rush to judgment that the firing of joe paterno back in november 2011 was a nuclear explosion which flipped this entire case on its head that all the incentives become perverse and misunderstood especially by those morons in the media and it creates a domino effect of injustice which is still happening to this day and which may impact a trial that's scheduled for next week there's a trial scheduled for next week involving the former president of Penn State, Graham Spanier, a guy I personally know very well, and I'm positive is innocent. And what's he accused of? He's accused of conspiring, uh, conspiracy, as well as child endangerment. Good And golly. there's no evidence. So, in other words, he knew and he just didn't do anything about it, covered it up, whatever. That's, you know, that in, in 
real people's words, yeah. yeah. Um, but but the, just, just taking the child endangerment charge, for instance, they won't even tell him which child he allegedly endangered. And the reason why they won't tell him that is because they can't pick one. Because if they pick one, it'll be destroyed. Because there's, there is no well, child that Ill- they endanger. That's illegal, right? I mean, aren't you supposed to know who your well, accuser is? Well, yes. And, the, and his lawyers have tried to make that case numerous times. But the, but the problem is, and this is what makes this case different than any other situation I've ever seen. Because of five and a half years of really bad and biased media coverage, you have a jury pool that's so polluted. I mean, they, you, they, oh. it's unbelievably polluted. And, and the prosecution knows this. Well, I will say so, this. Until we talked to you, what was it, a couple months ago, I firmly believed Jerry Sandusky yeah. was guilty. Sure. I, I, there was no doubt in my mind that right. he was justly convicted of this crime and should be in jail. The only, the only point I was a little bit iffy on and I thought is where you were coming from was that Joe Paterno had nothing to do with it. Well, then that's but, how I started this. Yeah. And so, I was right there with you. Jerry Sandusky must be guilty. There's no way everybody could be so wrong about this. But no one checked that math because everyone had the same feeling we did. Mm-hmm. And who wants to wade into this murky, icky, yeah. horrible story? Nobody. I, I, nobody does. Except you. Well, <laughs> I, trust me. Trust me. I didn't want to do that, uh, Pat. Uh, I did it by necessity. In fact, I, I think one of the most Most people would have ignored it, though, John. I think it's, it's amazing and a, and a real tribute to your character. That well, you uh, yeah, thank you. That'll get me uh, nothing, but right. I appreciate it. <laughs> right. But you try um, to spend that at the grocery right, store right. and see what happens. <laughs> Good luck with that. But, but, but in all seriousness, I think the most important element of my credibility on this, other than the fact that I have no connection to Penn State and I'm not make, I've lost money on this case purposely, but to me the most important thing is I'm the only person in this whole case that has come to a conclusion both against my self-interest and which I was trying to disprove. And I will I, say, when we, I, also, when, when we were talking about the interview the first time around, uh, and, and Stu was telling me how passionate you were about this, I said, did it go to Penn State? <laughs> that was my first thing. Of course. Did you go to Penn State? And the answer no. is, no, you didn't. I went to Georgetown. And as a matter of fact, after five and a half years, I have disdain <laughs> for Penn State. In fact, I root against Penn State football with, with a passion <laughs> uh, because of all the aggravation that this story has caused in my life. And it, this has been the worst thing that's ever happened in my life. And I've had a lot of bad things happen. Heck, I've worked in radio for a long time. So, I mean, mm-hmm. Anyone who has mm-hmm. has had bad things happen, but this has been by far the worst. Uh, I think it's been the best work I've ever done, but this is a story. No, and, and I think you mentioned this, uh, Pat. It's it's a weird phenomenon that you would think people would want to hear this story. Yeah. That, that, that hey, by the way, nobody got sexually abused. Right. Yet That'd nobody, nobody, very few want to hear it, and I think it's because a couple reasons. One, it's it's scary to think that this injustice could happen. We don't want to believe that our system is this Mm -hmm. flawed, that something this catastrophic uh, from an injustice standpoint could occur. Uh, But also it requires and this is the heart of why I'm I'm fighting a losing battle. It requires you to uh, at least say that these accusers who have been canonized for all intents and purposes by the media are not telling the truth. And. Part of my case has been misunderstood. People think that somehow I'm against child sex abuse victims or against children. I have a four-year-old daughter myself. I have a, a wife at home that's very pregnant with another daughter coming oh, soon. Congratulations. They, they, well, thank you. I appreciate that. We'll see. I'm, I'm going to have three women in my life, which is more than I can handle. But, but the, the point here is 
that that couldn't be further from the case. And I'm not even alleging, this is really important for, for the nature of my theory of what happened here, which I'm very confident in. I'm not even alleging most of these people lied. I'm alleging that they were manipulated and they thought they were helping put away the Loch Ness Monster. That's really important to understand this because people presume I'm a conspiracy guy. Like, how could all these people come together and make this allegation? Well, that's not how the story happened. Yeah. It, 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 was, it was linear. One led to the next, led to the next, led to the next. This whole case is a domino effect. Mm-hmm. And if you're somebody who, maybe you were abused by somebody else in your life, and you're poor, and you're in central Pennsylvania, and you come from an at-risk background, which is why you were in Jerry Sandusky's charity, and someone comes to you and says, you know, Jerry, that guy who you've been friends with all those years, he's kind of goofy, handsy, a little weird. Well, guess what? We got an accuser by the name of Aaron Fisher, victim one, who says he's been sexually abused. And we're having a tough time finding other accusers. We really need people to come forward and help us. Anything ever happened to you? I think it's not. It's very understandable that someone like that might go, well, gee, not really to me, but... Maybe another person, or maybe, maybe like that sort of weird behavior. I might now take retroactively as negative. Bingo, uh, rather than just sort of weird. I, Stu, that is a fantastic point, and I think that happened a lot here. Mm-hmm. Uh, because let's face it, this is a guy who stupidly did occasionally, not nearly as much as reported in the news media, but occasionally took showers in a different era. He's from a different generation with boys who were in their early teenage years that people understandably look at and go, what was that all about? Right. Um, Some of that's uh, just sports. uh, Yeah. Locker room stuff. I think that there are this is one of those situations where if you've lived in that culture, you tend to get it. If you haven't, you look at it and go, wait a minute. What's that all about? The only time in my life I've ever showered with another male is during high school or during sports after gym class or after a football game or after football practice or baseball or whatever it was. And that, that happens in that culture. That happens in that arena. When I don't understand it, and that's why I support a one-man, one-bathroom constitutional amendment. Because <laughs> um, it makes no sense to me yeah, at icky. all. It's, it's icky. I don't like it. But yeah, I don't I, it, it is the, the culture for whatever reason. That's what happened. And yeah. it's important to point out, uh, there's so many perfect storms in this situation. But one of the most important perfect storms is the timing of this story in relation to the Catholic Church scandal, which was mm-hmm. a big deal in Pennsylvania. Yeah. These uh, ep- shower episodes occur in 1998 and 2001. That's before the Catholic Church scandal is publicly known. Mm. So in other words, it's not as if after the Catholic Church scandal, Jerry thinks it's a great idea to be uh, <laughs> taking showers <laughs> right. with young boys. It's at, but, but it doesn't come out publicly Till after. Sure. And, and then, therefore, and people see it through the prism of, wait a minute, we've gone through this before. Yeah. Penn State's just like the Catholic Church. Joe Paterno is the Pope. The administrators are the Cardinals. Jerry's the pedophile priest. The Penn State football fans are the Catholic parishioners looking the other way because they don't want to, to, they don't want to accept that their God is false in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and all that fits in, in, a, in, a, yeah. in a narrative that the media, of course, loves, and which a, human, a normal human being might go, okay, that makes some sense, except when you break it down. Okay. And, and, and when you break it down, it doesn't hold any water okay. at all. Let me uh, a couple, let's do Hit a couple Hit me with specifics. your best shots. Yeah, Seriously. No, I'm interested, because uh, you had mentioned, um, let's go to this tweet. Someone had mentioned, you had mentioned uh, previously that there'd be no motivation because Jerry Sandusky had been out of the program for a long right. time, which is true. Uh, we had one tweet. Do we have it uh, here? 
Uh, now that I'm calling for it, it better be there because I can't. There it is. <laughs> uh, 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 who is this Sandusky Joe Paterno defender on Glenn Beck? Sandusky had an office on campus until his arrest. I do remember that being a conversation. Yeah. True? Was he actually there? Technically, I think he had a, an office which he never used. He had been in. A, he was an emeritus. Uh, he had been there for a very long time. Right. People, there's so many things that are misunderstood about how and why he left Penn State. In ret- you referenced earlier, in retrospect, everything looks different. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, people look at his departure from Penn State and they go, boy, that seems awfully suspicious. He retires uh, you know, at a fairly young age to ro- go run an at-risk, ch- full-time run an at-risk charity for, bo- for not for boys, by the way. There were girls as well. That's another mm-hmm. one of the yep. misnomers. But, for children. Uh, mm-hmm. For children. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, but here's what people miss. Uh, after he retires, he is a finalist, in fact, is reported as getting the head football coaching job at the University of Virginia after he leaves Penn State. Now, this is interesting for a couple of reasons. First of all, the University of Virginia vets people before they offer them their head football coaching job. <laughs> yes, Second of all, there was a deep series of connections between the University of Virginia coaching staff and the Penn State coaching staff, including, by the way, Joe Paterno's own son, Jay, had been a University of Virginia graduate assistant and was married to a University of Virginia alum. So what we're forced to believe is that somehow those at Penn State knew Jerry was a pedophile, push him out of Penn State University, but they're perfectly willing to allow him to become the head football coach at the University of Virginia, where there's all these connections between the two schools and where one phone call from anybody connected to Penn State saying, hey, stay away from Jerry, would have done him in. Ironically enough, the real story of what happens there, and sports fans will find this hilarious, is that because the New York Jets collapsed that year and lost their last three games of the season, their head coach, who was a University of Virginia alum, Al Groh is his name, at, oh, the la- yeah. at the last moment when Jerry's about to sign on the dotted line, calls Virginia and says, hey, don't give the job away. I'm going to need it. I'm getting fired. And that, if that doesn't happen, if the New York Jets don't lose their last three games of the 2000 season and miss the playoffs by half a game, none of this story occurs oh, wow. because Jerry Sandusky is the head football coach at the University of Virginia. It's, it's amazing. It's an Another amazing Another reason story. to hate the Jets. Yeah, I was going to say, usually it's only positive things that come from the Jets <laughs> losing. Uh, but uh, here. So let's go through some of the victims here real quick. Sure, let's, let's do it. Let's go through it, and you tell me where these right. stories are wrong. Okay. Uh, victim one uh, comes forward, age 15. I'm going to yeah. give a little rundown of each sure. one, and then you give me a sure. give me. Makes allegations, uh, years of abuse. He told police when he was 12 or 13 in the Second Mile program, he met Sandusky and began staying at his home. Contact started with uh, exercises and escalated around the June of 2007 to stomach blowing, kissing, and sex acts. Uh, he was a, 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 a wrestling coach in the district, walked in on Sandusky lying face to face with the victim on a wrestling mat. Another 15-year-old also witnessed Sandusky put his hand on the victim's knee during a road trip to a Philadelphia Eagles game. Uh, uh, and that, that that child testified that Sandusky had touched him in a similar way. I mean, that seems like a, a pretty good case. Yeah, well, except in, when you find out what the details are. Um, first of all, by the way, that wrestling coach, his original testimony was um, actually very very uh, beneficial to Jerry. At trial, all of a sudden, after being pressured, uh, it becomes Again, to use your word, retrospect, mm-hmm. you know, because now all of a sudden Jerry's a pedophile. And when you see him on the ground next to a kid, you go, oh, my gosh, that was something really horrendous. The original version of that story was very different. But more importantly to Aaron Fisher, 
Aaron Fisher doesn't tell any story about a sex act for quite a while after he came forward. He doesn't say it when he talks to the school, which is the first place he goes to, not the police, by the way. He doesn't tell it to the caseworker. He he doesn't tell it to the police. I've interviewed the police officer who interviewed Aaron Fisher the first time. I've talked to him for hours. Said nothing about sex abuse. This is after, a, by the way, a three-year relationship as a teenage boy who I have 12 interviews 12 interviews on the record with people who are from every walk of his life, including buddies of his at the time of the allegations, including girlfriends. He had many girlfriends and loved to brag about them at even at this young age. Uh, his own aunts, uh, his next door neighbor, the women who uh, sponsored the rally for his book. All 12 of these people are not just suspicious of his story. They are positive he's not telling the truth. Twelve. I've yet to find anyone, and I am well known in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, his hometown, uh, and would be thrilled to speak to anybody who actually believes him. I can't find anyone. His story is preposterous on its face because what ends up happening is the first time he ever says anything about sex is when his therapist, a guy by the name of Mike Gillum, who, by the way, has lost his license in the state of Pennsylvania, who's a quack, who helped co-write Aaron Fisher's book, finally, months after this original allegation of Jerry makes me feel uncomfortable says to Aaron did Jerry force you to have oral sex and Aaron eventually says yes one word yes at that point everyone becomes invested including Mike Gillum the therapist Mm -hmm. in a in a separate reality Aaron Fisher is required to testify before he can get it right three times to a grand jury the first two times He collapses in tears and can't answer questions. The third time, he finally reads his testimony with his therapist sitting right there with him. I would submit that his therapist actually wrote the testimony for him. The therapist is such a nut job that in his book, and I urge anyone, if you care about this case, you want to know what a joke the whole... Aaron Fisher's story is, read Aaron Fisher's book. I actually held a press conference outside of the courthouse at one of Jerry Sandusky's appeal hearings, and I gave copies of the book away to the media, begging people, read the book. It's a ludicrous story, including, by the way, you mentioned the Philadelphia Eagles. According to the book, the Philadelphia Eagles are in on this conspiracy to to cover up. Now I am totally on your side as an (laughs) Eagles fan. I am Um, totally on your side now. The the, the point here is that uh, Aaron Fisher had a goal. Uh, that which he stated to friends that he he wanted to own a lot of sports cars and be very rich when he he grew up and guess what uh, Aaron Fisher owns a lot of sports cars including one that's over a hundred thousand dollars that he just recently purchased his wife his mother who is very involved in this story as well and I think uh, helped. Uh, uh, manipulate Aaron, for lack of a better term, also owns uh, several expensive cars and a very nice house. Uh, and the reality is they both made a, a lot of money from this case. And, and the story, by the way, is now his final story after this incredible evolution at trial was that he and Jerry had engaged in 100 acts <laughs> over a several period of time, a uh, several year period of time of, of oral sex. And um, that, that to me is uh, ludicrous for a 14-year-old boy who has been given no drugs, no alcohol, no allegation of abuse, no allegation of being paid, who is heterosexual, 
and uh, and whose mother apparently never finds anything in the laundry over this uh, two year period of time. Uh, there's no evidence of this whatsoever. They tried surveillance phone calls between Aaron Fisher and Jerry Sandusky. They got nothing. There, there is zero evidence where there should be mountains of, of, of it. And, you know, this is where it gets very politically incorrect. You guys will appreciate this, given the recent controversy. If one of these accusers was remotely like Milo Iannopoulos, all right? Mm-hmm. Who, and Milo has talked openly about being uh, an abuse victim uh, of, a, of a Catholic priest. Right. If even one of them was remotely like Milo in, 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 their, in, in, in their sexuality, in the way they carry themselves, in the way they view this situation, I would say, you know what? This is bad. He's probably guilty. Every single one of these accusers is militantly heterosexual. They're all married. They're all driving fancy sports cars. They're all so. So we're to believe that a post-puberty boy is going to engage in these acts without telling anybody for years, uh, with no drugs, no alcohol, no payment, no no physical abuse, no nothing. Anyone who's ever been a 14-year-old boy will tell you that that is preposterous, especially with no evidence. Well, I mean, and that, by the way, was one victim one. Um, so if we go on that pace for the rest <laughs> of sorry. these, we're going to... No, well, he's the most important no, one. He, yeah, because he's the star one. Now, McQuarrie, we really covered a lot on radio. Right. Let me give you a couple that we didn't uh, cover real quick, and we got to keep them, you know, if you can do like... I'll do short. I'll do short very short. Uh, let's go vict- victim four. Yeah, that's okay. a good one. Uh, abuse lasted several years, happened more than 50 times. Started with touching, escalated <laughs> to very graphic sex acts. They shared a hotel room during charity golf outings and, and uh, coaching banquets. Sandusky would kiss and perform sex acts on the boy. During one trip in 1999, Sandusky threatened to send him home when he resisted. Yeah, victim number four is very interesting because uh, victim number four requires Dottie Sandusky, Jerry's wife, to have witnessed uh, a sex act and blatantly lied about it, which having dealt with Dottie for five and a half years, I, I'm quite sure it didn't happen. But here's what you need to know about victim number four. Not only did he not uh, state any sort of a sex act in his original interview, here's how he came to say that there was a sex act. He had an interview with investigators after this story becomes public locally in the, no- in the newspaper with a grand jury leak because they need more accusers. They can't find accusers, so they basically put a Craigslist ad in the local newspaper <laughs> looking for accusers uh, through Sarah Gannon, who's now at CNN. She won the Pulitzer Prize in this case and didn't deserve it because she's actually a big part of why this whole thing went south and, and why an justice was done but to victim number four so he does this interview with an attorney which is weird because why do you need an attorney when you're a, 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 a not even at that point a, a victim yet you're you're just a, someone's been questioned he's still not being accused of anything but he has an attorney he's not telling the investigators anything about a sex act the attorney says to the investigators hey can we um, go off the record here for a second and turn off the recorder Except they don't turn the recorder off or something happened and they thought they turned it off and they didn't. It was recorded. And at trial was played a tape of that attorney discussing with investigators, hey, can we tell him that we have a whole lot of other accusers that are are alleging this same sort of thing so we can get him to say that he had a sex act with Jerry? And mm-hmm. the investigators say to him, sure, yeah, we do this all the time. Let's do it. And then they go back on the record. They tell him a bunch of lies about other accusers that they have. And voila, he starts to tell this this uh, nonsensical story. I have a photograph which I can show you. You know, when Jerry when Jerry uh, retires from the second mile, his his picture is on the front page of the local newspaper the next day playing miniature golf 
with victim number four uh, at a time when this is in be- according to victim number four's later testimony many years later uh, this is in between two major episodes of sex abuse uh, a picture tells a thousand words and i think it would be hard mm-hmm. to argue based upon the photograph of the two of them together that, that happened but i realize strange things occur this relationship remained it's remained with victim number four up until the time of the trial uh and in fact victim four took his own son mm. to a dinner with jerry at D- jerry's house not long before jerry was arrested mm. uh victim mm. number four is not telling the truth and uh and yet he's the star witness according to the prosecution because they didn't like aaron fisher anymore by the time the trial came <laughs> all right uh, we're running really late let me give you one more and then we sure gotta, we, we got it we they're gotta, all like this by the way yeah it seems so far so victim six 12-year-old boy told his mom that Sandusky had showered with him. She called police, who interviewed the boy, and a friend who was also present. Police wrote a report that Sandusky bear-hugged the boy and washed his body. A weeks-long investigation ended without charges being filed. However, police had the mother call Sandusky to her home and confront him about the shower while officers listened from a nearby room. Sandusky admitted to the shower, asked for forgiveness, and said, I wish I were dead. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, and, and it's funny how that phrase by Jerry Sandusky, which is alleged, there's no tape of that. It's important to point out. There is no tape of Jerry Sandusky saying, I wish I was dead. Uh, a lot of people latched onto that. You know, Matt Lauer, when he did an interview with Dottie Sandusky at me, that was a big issue for him. And I'm thinking, Matt, you're a golfer. I say worse about myself on the golf course every <laughs> single day. I wish I was dead. Uh, but here's what Jerry thought was happening. Jerry was told that this was a boy with cancer. And he was shocked that this had created all of this commotion, him picking his kid up in the shower to wash the shampoo off of his hair. And he, so he felt badly about it. Now, he, he says he never said, I wish I were dead. But who knows if he said that or not. Again, so no, wait, he did pick him up in the shower. He picked him so up in the shower. So did he bear hug him and lift no, no, him up that's to not the... the... No, if, you, even, if I urge people, take a look Weird. at... Victor, it is. It's well, weird. Hold on a second. <laughs> I, I urge. I'm not. I'm not defending Jerry Sandusky no, as a as a non weirdo. It, it, it is. He's just that's this bizarre. Uh, okay. Well, it's 1998, which I think is a different uh, cultural situation. I wouldn't have done this in 1898. Okay, that's fine. Okay. And good for you. And I'm not. <laughs> I know. I know. Not, I know. Or I Go urge ahead. you take a look at victim six's t- testimony at trial. Mm-hmm. If you don't aren't told. Uh, whether he's uh, he's testifying for the defense of the prosecution and you don't know whether Jerry is guilty or innocent, you're going to think he was called as a defense witness. Because even though he's got millions of dollars on the line, and by the way, victim six got paid more money apparently than any other accuser because mm. of the timing of that accusation, which as you pointed wow. out, it's important to point out, was looked into by the DA, fully investigated and found to not yeah. be actionable. It's important. Because all, wow. yeah, it's incredibly important. So, but here's what you also need to know. A year after this happens, after the, it's the investigation is closed, Jerry's last home game is against University of Michigan. And there, of course, it's a home game, packed house. There are no tickets. Jerry has no tickets to give away. The mom of victim six trails Jerry down into a parking lot and begs him for tickets for her son to go to the game, which Jerry figures out a way to get him on the sideline without a ticket. They maintain a relationship from 1998 all the way to the trial, including text messages of happy Father's Day and happy Thanksgiving, love you, from victim number six. This is many, many years later. So look at his testimony. There's not even a remote sexual allegation. 
And the, the reality is that victim six is at the heart of how this got transferred into a money grab because three of the other six, uh, three of the six accusers at the time of the, of the arrest are friends of victim number six, mm. which I believe were recruited by his mom and his bikini uh, model sister. Victim number six is, has a bikini model sister mm. who it's known uh, made contact with a couple of these guys who ended up becoming accusers in this case and making millions of dollars. Wow. Well, I mean, obviously we could do this all day, but uh, John, you've done enough today. I know, actually, I think I need to do a Facebook Live a little bit later on with uh, Jeffy, so watch for that as well. We can go into this even wow. more. It's pretty amazing. Uh, it's it sure stuff. is. I'm and, looking forward to it. Uh, it sparked a memory, too, of showering with Jerry Sandusky back oh in the day. Oh my God. Really? <laughs> yeah. It sparked yeah, a memory wow. of me, too. I'm, I'm horrified. I'm going to tell you yeah. something. Uh, my oldest son he rubbed was, my back and and stuff while we were in the show. You know, Pat, how much did they make off this? Like three, four million dollars. That each? was about the average. Yes. Yeah. Right. About that same time, Pat, my oldest son was recruited by the Penn State <laughs> okay. Lions. All right, all right, enough. and uh, uh, Sandusky uh, <laughs> met him at the gate. Thank you, you know what? The worst part of this, though, is the the man is in prison probably for the rest of his life. Yes, right? he's going to die in prison, and uh, the former president of Penn State, Graham Spanier, is on trial for his freedom next week. Yeah. Yeah. And it's we bad enough that break. Penn State has paid. Ninety-three million dollars of taxpayer funds for this. Yeah, yes. now and the guy in jail. We got a break. John Ziegler, thanks. PremiumPaterno.com is the it. website. Yeah, uh, let's take a break. Uh, fact is, your current phone provider thanks. may very well uh, be using your money to undermine your beliefs. Do you know where they spend their money? Do they know? Are they one of these companies that spends tens of billions of dollars to fight for mm. uh, liberal causes to remove conservative leaders from office? Well, that's where Patri- Patriot Mobile comes in. They don't. And they guarantee you they don't. What they do is provide you with nationwide talk and text, high-speed uh, 4G LTE data, and low prices. And then they donate five, up to 5% of your monthly bill to a conservative organization or a conservative cause of your choice. Patriot Mobile will even buy out your current contract. You've heard those claims before. Oh, I will give you $50 to buy out your $100. Uh, well, in Patriot yeah, my Mobile, bill's $250. Yeah, so that doesn't matter. But it does matter if you have Patriot Mobile because they'll go up to $500, which I've never seen a penalty that, that high. That's, yeah. That covers, I think, every single phone company. And yes, you can keep your phone number and get great nationwide coverage, all while supporting conservative values that you believe in. So pick up the phone and call Patriot Mobile today. They'll waive the $35 activation fee if you use the promo code Pat and Stu. So go to PatriotMobile.com slash Pat and Stu or call 800-A-PATRIOT. 800-A-PATRIOT. Welcome back. 888 back is the phone number. Uh, as part of our daily requirement of being on the Blaze Network, we're going to feature a Mormon doing something positive. Um, <laughs> I thought we I thought we worked that out where we didn't have to do that every no, day. No, it's, it's uh, pretty no. much oh, every day. Well, anytime yeah, a Mormon yeah. does something positive, any yeah. Mormon anywhere, when they do something good, we have to show it on the show. Uh, and that's so... <laughs> well, we've got a light on top of the building. <laughs> I, I don't think it ever shuts off. It's supposed to just come on when a Mormon does something good. It that, never shuts and off. It never shuts off. Uh, this is actually a really interesting one, Pat. Do you know this story? Because it's I from don't. Brazil. I, I haven't seen this. Um, here's the video. We actually have some. Uh, it's a it's a Mormon uh, Missionary missionaries in if Brazil. You see them. Uh, there's a robber oh, robbery going on here. Uh, and you see kind of they're going back and forth. Uh, something's going on. Uh, and okay. you see the missionaries kind of oh, just watching. And oh, all of a sudden, uh-oh. Oh, uh-oh. oh the, the missionary grabbed him. Turns the gun on him. Turns the gun on him. Tells him to get lost. Oh, Ooh, he's beating see, the guy. That's violence, Pat. <laughs> wow! Is that what your church tells people? Wow! Look at that. <laughs> he's, just, 
He's wailing on this. Wow! Wow, and winning. Cold-talks him. I mean, <laughs> I hope the church is not going to. Uh, Look at that! Ordain this. I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, I'm that. not sure they would. I, I don't think this they is would either. Defense, though, they would. A, uh, it's dangerous. What about yeah. the other one? Though? Just What's give them what doing? they want. The other one He's is watching. following church law. That's what the other one is doing. <laughs> Are you just standing there while his friend is taking out robbers? I love that, though. That's unbelievable. I'd like to know if that guy, he's, you know. I know. He might be in trouble foot, himself. He might be coming to the Cougar football team next year. <laughs> no he, doubt. A lot of those guys, you know, are, are athletes. Yeah, sure. And uh, I don't know if he is or not. It looks like a big lineman or something. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, good for him. Good for him. But yeah. uh, but, but the I flip mean, side of that is like the 7-Eleven guy that breaks up the robbery and saves the story and ends up getting fired because right. Southland says, no, no, give yeah. him the money. I don't know. This is clear self-defense. He's in the middle of being mm. mugged. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he defends himself. And by the way, I had a gun. It looks like he has wow. a gun at one point. It doesn't shoot. Yeah. He was um, wailing so, on that one yeah, guy, too. That's just I'll tell you what's going to happen until we get further uh, confirmation from the church. We're turning the light off. Oh, no. Uh, no, oh, no, no, not the Mormon no, goodness no, light. The Mormon, light's the Mormon okay. goodness light has been turned off. Uh, very sad. <laughs> um, well, uh, you know, I, that's pretty. I mean, first of all. It's self-defense there. I yeah. think absolutely, oh, yeah. clearly. Good for him. Uh, and it's a great, it's a great, uh, great video for him. I think. I think he looks great mm-hmm. in it, and uh, I'm Good a fan. Um, let's also go to someone who does not look great in most videos. Um, <laughs> and this one is a problem. I'm going to warn you on this one in advance. We've been showing a lot of Alex Jones videos, and and the reason why we're doing that is not because we have any. There's any been any change in our appetite for Alex Jones videos. It's just that now <clears throat> people have come to our side. And uh, now are making a lot more spending of them. their time and uh, resources. <laughs> exactly. So it's not just us anymore, uh, which is is fun. This one, however, I will warn you in advance. This is gonna be in your head all day if you listen to it. Okay. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. But it's going to. It, it's it's a musical number, and it's going to be mm. in your head for hours. So if you don't want that to happen with Alex Jones, now's the time to turn it off. But I've warned you. Now here is Alex Jones with the Goblin remix. I don't want to see him kissing goblins, ingratiating goblins, in bed with a goblin. I don't want to see him kissing goblins, succubus with goblins, ingratiating goblins, in bed with a goblin. I don't want to see him kissing goblins, ingratiating goblins, in bed with a goblin. Kissing goblins, shading goblins, shading goblins, Dump it. Charging into a goblin's nest of goblin vomit and slopping blood on it. Especially up to his ankles. Trump charging into a goblin's nest of goblin vomit and slop. Goblin vomit slop. I'm not expecting him to not get dirty slop. Kissing goblins, shading goblins, shading goblins, succubus with goblins. What is that? That is unbelievable. I have no idea. I mean, seriously. Really? And to all the people who email me <laughs> when we do this, why are you taking on a conservative like Alex Jones? He's not Alex a Jones is not a conservative. Listen to some of these headlines. Uh, 
let's see. Uh, CIA likely CIA likely built remote-controlled commercial jets in aircraft boneyard and then ran them into the World Trade Center tower. Mm-hmm. Osama's, Osama bin Laden responsible for the 9-11 attacks? Where's the evidence? Uh, watch. Imploded casino collapses just like World Trade Center 7 on 9-11. Uh, building 7 was an inside job. Uh, did, N- did NIST edit WTC footage uh, to hide evidence of implosion? Top government yes. insider Bin Laden died in 2001, 9-11, a false flag. Alex Jones said 9-11 inside job on, day, on the day it happened. He right. is saying that 9-11 was an inside job. This guy, he doesn't even believe in Islamic terror. It's all from us. And he's never believed anything the government done has been just until, until January 20th. Yeah. yeah. For some reason now, everything's now, fine because Trump. everything they do is just. Because Trump. Everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you imagine being in that world? Wow. Uh, it is a bizarre one to be in. All right, triple eight seven twenty seven. Beck is the oh, uh, phone number. The uh, Colorado shooting with uh, oh yeah, Dar- uh, Dar- Klebold and Eric. Uh, uh, evidence mounts uh, it, indicating Colorado shooting was staged. Oh, okay. The, yeah, that's the, not the was initial one. Wow. Of course, every shooting is staged. Every tragedy is wow. staged. Every attack is fake. I mean, it's all a false on. flag. As we've said before, there are all no, there are no flags. I, I, I hate to see this guy in bed with goblins. You know, succubus with the goblins. In bed with the goblins. I don't want to see him kissing goblins. Succubus with goblins. In bed with the goblins. Kissing goblins. Ingratiating goblins. In bed with the goblins. Kissing goblins. Ingratiating goblins. In bed with the goblins. Dump it. Charging into it. Hi, Pat and Stu, 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. What we're going to do here? I don't oh, even remember uh, food. Uh, so we, we have uh, spoons coming up here in a minute. Uh, we've got a couple new kinds of cereal, uh, and uh, I'm very excited about them. First, I want to tell you about the, uh, the Mental Floss has a good list of the 10 competitive eating challenges at restaurants. Jeffy's one of these. Jeffy has all. he's won and solved all of these. Although some of these are timed. Some of these, so. yeah, some of these are timed. The timed ones I'm I'm not big on. Jeffy's I, I, one of those guys who'll just. He's eat. a marathon eater, not yeah, a. I, speed I like to eater. pride myself as the Kenyan. The of Kenyan of eating, uh, as Jeffy says, uh, and you see a lot of uh, similarities. If you look at Jeffy again, you'll see a lot of similarities with him and, and any Kenyan. I mean, off the street. <laughs> oh, you can't, you can't. I get mistaken uh, all the time. So yeah. Loopy's has yeah. Loopy's too has a cardiac arrest burger. It's in Wisconsin. Uh, cardiac arrest burger, 35 bucks. It contains three pounds of ground beef, a pound wow. of ham, a pound of bacon, a pound, and a, a half pound of cheese, um, and also onions and barbecue sauce. If you finish in an hour, you get a free T-shirt. Uh, beat the record. Big the deal. food is free. Uh, Jeffy, can you, an hour for that? Can you pop that? Yeah, probably. Yeah, an hour. That's not really that's for no, you. But, that's but, but what they're trying to do, they're trying to get you to eat it fast because they want you to try to beat the actual mm-hmm. record, which they don't say. What the record is, but so, uh, you know, yeah, to, get, to you, get it free. You'll probably get the free T-shirt, but still pay for the burger. Right. And when you pay $35 for a burger and a T-shirt, you're not getting anything free. No, you are not. Mm-hmm. I would not want to mix the ham and the hamburger. Yeah, I'm not too big on the ham and the, the yeah, mix either. Would, I'm would, with you on that. That would weird me out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but for a free T-shirt. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about the Siad uh, Cafe uh, Pancake Challenge? Uh, now, this they make good. big pancakes, 13 pancakes inches in diameter. Though. You yeah. ever been in a pancake eating oh, contest? I have no. not. I have. <laughs> 
Have you I really? literally have been in a pancake eating contest. Stop oh, for real? Pan- wow. No, I know. It's a surprise, dude. Mm-hmm. It's calm your excitement. Mm-hmm. But it, it's tough. Because you get about halfway through these bad boys, and you are still got a ways to go. Well, yeah. I do a, a pancake time every Saturday with my kids. And so, of course, they eat approximately 1% of their pancakes, mm-hmm. um, in which I eat all the rest. Um, and uh, you, it Good does, thing that I've never done that. Yeah, it does fill you up. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, really by the does. way, they saying 13 inches in diameter, one and a half, uh, one and a quarter inches thick. You have Look to f- finish one pancake that uh, is difficult, but you got to do five of them. Look at that. But 13.95 is not bad for well, That's a stack of five, though. But that's a big. That's stack. a lot of food. That is a lot of food. Then there's Dobbs Doghouse hot dogs uh, in Dobbs Ferry, New York. They'll put nearly anything on a hot dog, dozens of toppings, or you order a dog from their specialty menu, like the Trailer Park. This is right up your alley, Jeffy. Um, <laughs> melted cheese and crushed potato Ooh. chips, or the Hawaiian dog, bacon teriyaki sauce. That sounds pretty good. Pineapple and scallions. Uh, I could do without the scallions. <laughs> the Doghouse Challenge dares you to eat a dozen of them, uh, but you can't select them. A roll of the dice determines which <laughs> ones you get. Uh, and you know the you know the one they're going to give me that nasty teriyaki sauce one. I can't right. be doing the that. bougie sauce. Oh, I'd love the teriyaki um, sauce. Wait, but, but you finish all twelve you, within thirty minutes. Uh, there's no reward. Now, our own Pat Gray <laughs> has recently bragged about his ability to I eat have. many hot dogs uh, in one yes. setting. But these are kind of, well, this you one has bananas on it. That one's not, got frosted uh, fruity pebbles on yeah, it. Yeah, you're not getting to choose Hertz, too. Yeah, that, that's bad. Wow, bananas on a hot dog? I would never think mm, to no. pair those things. Mm. Um, I'm and after at, the first six with six more to go, you may think yeah. that some more. Let's no look at kidding. a couple more here before we go to break. <laughs> um, how about the number six, Joe Taco Chupacapra Burrito? Ooh. This is Joe Taco Mexi Cafe in Amarillo, Texas. Offers, the, and that's pretty, I mean, that's within what, 12 hours. It's in Texas, so uh, we should go get one. Um, it's a two foot long burrito, $24.99. If you eat it all by yourself, you not only get it free, but you also win a t shirt, a place on the wall, and a free meal every week nice. for life. Wow. Two that, feet is a lot of food, though. Yeah, two feet. I big. mean, that's that is a lot of food. Oh, then there's the, the two feet. What are you 40, 40 inch Pizza that can oh. feed twenty to twenty-five people. It's hundred and fifty bucks, and wow. if you eat the whole thing, if you polish it off, oh, two people get a get an hour to eat it, and you win a hundred dollars if you oh, if you wow. can. Hundred bucks. Wow. I mean, it looks like thinner crust too. Yeah, those are good. I mean, that's maybe do. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't. I think I'd get to about here, and then I'd be done. I mean, that's probably what four pizzas, probably basically together. If you, but with two people, two pizzas each. Jeffy, I mean, I've seen you do that at lunch. Oh, you know, just sure. a random, just a random day. It's a Tuesday. Hey, Jeffy's got the two pizzas thing again. I know. <laughs> uh, so, all right, we got to get to spoons. Yes. We'll be right back. I'm How could you have pizza and not eat more than just one pizza? I don't know. Oh, it doesn't make any sense. I love freaking pizza, man. So, that spin crust I've been going crazy for lately. Uh, it's, it's really oh. good too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, thank you, Jeff. Work by or voice work by Jeffy Fisher. Um, uh, do we have the rules for spoons here before we start? Uh, these are the new rules, just so in case you can keep a kind of kind of long going constitution. First of all, rule number one: do not open or taste product during the break, except Marissa, who apparently uh, why does she get a- she gets to eat it? I guess I don't know. Um, don't, but Jeffy and Pat. This rule has never been broken right here. Never. That's never been broken. Never. Uh, next up, describe the look and texture before tasting. Yeah, that's that's right. we do every time. We do. We and do. finally, but Jeffy and doesn't because he just stuffs it in his mouth. And then we rate the food on a 1 to 18 scale based on the ne- highest number Jeffy can <clears throat> count to. Okay. Um, so here we go. We have two kinds of cinnamon cereal today. A cinnamon frosted flakes and cinnamon pebbles. 
Um, I have high hopes for both of these, actually. I'm a big cinnamon uh, uh, flavored fan. Me too. Um, Jeffy, can you eat cinnamon or is that... Uh, bougie cinnamon, bougie sauce. Well, I mean, it is kind of bougie sauce, but... Bougie. Is it too bougie for it you? It is kind of, but it has milk on it, so it's fine. All right. Uh, now, the, uh, Boy, they do what's sim- the little one, the little pebbles? Yeah, they the smell cinnamon. I had a bite they? of those uh, raw. Some of them, they slipped out of the box and accidentally ended up in my mouth. Oh, and uh, it's not bad. Now, I'll really say this about, uh, as we described, uh, first of all, smell, as Pat points out, very powerful cinnamon Very smell. powerful. Very powerful. And I love, as a, as mm. a just a format for cereal delivery, mm-hmm. pebbles. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to get them early or they get really mushy and then they're not so good. But here, let's try them out. I love cocoa pebbles. And these cinnamon ones really work. Mm. You know what they taste like? They taste like cocoa pebbles except with cinnamon instead of cocoa. This is why we have a job in, in the broadcast industry <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Based no. on the smell, they're not as strong cinnamon tasting as I expected, actually. Mm-mm. I mean, they're good. You're right, Pat. It, it could be even more cinnamon, though, right? It could be, but it's almost like they're cocoa pebbles mm-hmm. with cinnamon. Mm-hmm. But not mm-hmm. cocoa. Right. Right, okay. That was a good description. Um, those are pretty good. Uh, I think I nailed it. Yeah, but they're not unbelievable. Like, I, I was actually hoping for a little bit more out of the cinnamon. Yeah. Pebbles, so they're okay. Um, yeah. They could have gotten stronger on the cinnamon pe- yeah. flavor. Maybe Here's that's it. too much for little kids or something. I don't know. Cinnamon frosted flakes coming up next. Mm. Mm. Little uh, th- Jeffy, what am I adding to this cup right here? <laughs> Milk. Thank you. Uh, mm. Cinnamon frosted flakes. Again, strong cinnamon taste. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like the frosted flake delivery system as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a fan of frosted flakes. Um, this might be more cinnamony. Than the uh, pebbles. Yeah. Slightly more cinnamon flavor. What I'm noticing here is almost like a frosted flake with cinnamon added. Mm. Instead of the sugar, right? right? Yeah. No, the sugar's still there, Pat. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely still there. Mm -mm. Only cinnamon. Mm. The pebbles are better. The interesting thing about this, because I am a fan of pebbles. The interesting thing is like... You have this, which you have to eat immediately, the pebbles, or you get into mush zone, right? Right. The opposite is true with Frosted Flakes, because when you eat Frosted Flakes early, they rip up the inside of your mouth as if you're (laughs) eating razor blades. Yeah, just like uh, Captain Crunch does. Yes. Okay, Uh, one minute. Um, I would say... mm, I'm going to go Pebbles. uh, uh, 13. uh, Frosted Flakes... Uh, a 12. I mean, they're good, but they're not, they don't blow me away. I wouldn't say either one of these I love, and I like cinnamon stuff. Jeffy? Wait, wait, I gotta go to Pat first, because you'll take an hour. I'm gonna Pat? give it like a 12 on both. 12 on 12 both? 12 piece, yeah. No preference. Because mm-hmm. I, I like the, the delivery system for the Pebbles wins it out for I me. Uh, Jeffy, your mic's not on, obviously. I do agree with Stu that the Pebbles a lot better than the than the flakes. A lot what, better? What? Yeah. I didn't agree with that. I had him pretty close. Maybe at one what? point higher. So Alex Jones out for you here. What was your number again, Jenny? Well, right around what you used. 